So in the concluding of the events of, Revelation, of the book of Revelation, there reaches a point where the saints are sealed and separated from uh, the harlot. I'm of the mind that this sealing happens as the saints begin to mature, that they reach a threshold, they cross over into a threshold, certain ones cross over into a threshold as a first fruits company and they become models both of character and function. They personally possess the character of Christ in a mature fashion and they function in a unified way, at least in this First Fruits company. They function in a, in, in a, a, a fashion that show what the as any first fruit would, they show what the harvest is like. When you have a first fruit company, whether it's fruit on a tree or grain in a field or a people, the role of the first fruit company is to give a, a, a preview, a foreshadowing, a foreshadowing, <coughs> a foreshadowing, to give a foreshadowing of what the whole comes to be. So this First Fruits Company I believe is already beginning to form uh, and is seen in spots and places on the earth and it's formed around and it's formed to include all those who have reached levels of maturity that is representational of a man in the image and likeness of Christ, which is not an individual man but a corporate man. But I'm suggesting that a first fruits company is a type a miniature, if you prefer, of this corporate man and it, it has two primary features to it. One is that the individuals in this First Fruits company have attained to a level of maturity that is descriptive of the weos, the fully mature son. And secondly, I'm suggesting that in the way they function, it's not just a bunch of individuals functioning like uh, in, in a loose fashion, but quite intentionally functioning um, in a corporate fashion, in some ways to presage the arrival of the full harvest. However, that full harvest will be attained at the point where it is no longer possible for the people of God, for the saints, to coexist in the folds and in the assemblies of the harlot church. 
Right now, there is still that mixture. Many, I mean, one of the great phenomena in recent times has been the mass exodus of the people of God out of the churches. As the churches grapple with such matters as homosexual clergy, um, the accommodation of uh, LGBTQ, in fact, the entire church is de- dedicated to uh, the accommodation of these behaviors um, which are inconsistent with the scriptures. Look, do what you want and claim the right to do it as a citizen and I don't oppose your right to do any of that. And I would not oppose your right as a citizen to try to change the laws to accommodate your behaviors. No, and, and I don't think that the business of the church, of the, body, the true body of Christ, is to take to political structures and social boycotts and the rest of it to prevent it. If you read the scriptures, this is part of what is antithetical to the way of Christ. The way of Christ is not just arbitrary, everything about it is symbolic, it's representational. So a husband and a wife are representational of Christ and the church. But if Christ and the church is not the basis of of a marriage, then do whatever you want to. Nothing about it is holy, but you may have the right to do it if you can change the laws. Do it if you want to. But don't call it of Christ. My offense, the thing that I where I draw the line and I stand firmly opposed to these behaviors is where persons are attempting to make these things normal for the body of Christ. They're not. They will never be. They they cannot be. Not because I'm saying so, but because they're not representational of who Christ is and what He set up in the earth. And as far as me preferring one way of life over another, nothing in the world is going to determine how I live. And mine is not a live and let live uh, approach. Mine is, they're the ways of God that I represent and will be true in my way of living and being and there's everything else. Now, the world and nations are not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God exists among nations. So, I strive for, and you'll always hear my voice in support of, that which is uniquely representational of Christ. Because we're not sent to change the world to make it Christian, we're sent to call people out of the world to become sons of God. So, whoever remains in the world will have the way of life that pleases them and it's of no concern to me, except when in the church there are those people who are trying to make the two one, then they are my enemy because they are enemies of the cross, they are enemies of Christ.
Now, how do I treat my enemy? I treat my enemy as opportunity to show them the goodness of God. Love your enemy is the mandate. But it's not this foolish and crafty uh, framing of love. It's foolish in the sense that people think they can deceive God or make it into something that it could never be. It's crafty in that it's designed to deceive. And that is the statement, love is love. You hear that all the time, love is love. No, love is defined. Love is defined in the Scriptures. Love one another as I have loved you. Love does not, for example, mean agreement. And yet, yet in the manipulative way that purveyors of evil things would seek to seduce and deceive the simple-minded, they'll make the statement, love is love, and then they get to define what love looks like. No, it's not that at all. Now, what does love look like when people oppose you? What does love look like when you cannot agree with lifestyles, with choices that people have made? Well, for the believer, love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs, love always hopes, love always protects, love always perseveres. That kind of love is not what is described in the trite saying, love is love. What that means is, I want to have a certain kind of sex and I'm conflating and trying to sell you on the idea that sex is love. The two are not conflated, they're distinct. Sex with a prostitute is not, or sex with a person picked up at a bar or uh, any of that. That's not love, that's lust. So we could, I don't want to get into this um, in any greater detail, but I'm saying that there will come a time when, and there already is a forming of a first fruits company that individually has come to maturity and corporately are functioning as a type of the whole of what is the Bride of Christ. So there is that. It presages the arrival on the scene, it comes before the arrival on the scene of the whole sealed body of the saints, the entire body of Christ. I always wondered when would there be a cut-off point? 
because if, if Christ is coming back to receive this finished work, there has to be a cutoff point. Well, the cutoff point is a combination of two things. First is the absolute depravity of the world to the point where it totally rejects God. And included in the world is the harlot church. But there has been a conflation between uh, the harlot church and weak believers. God will move to call the believers, the true believers, out of the harlot church and at that point is the cutoff point. Everything is bound over now and decided. That's why the term sealed is used. Those who are to go to destruction will be sealed for destruction. Those who are part and included in the bride of Christ will be sealed for holiness and righteousness. We'll know them, we'll know those who are sealed on the earth in the same way they're sealed in heaven. In heaven, the finished work is their righteousness. They're clothed in white raiment, so to speak, clean linen, which is a reference to a virginal state. They've been redeemed out of the corruption of the age. And in the earth, the similitude is that uh, they're called out of Babylon, the harlot, uh, the false church, and they're given the privilege of wearing the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? It means the glory of God has arisen in them because they offer no resistance to the things of God in their way of life and of living. So in on the earth and in heaven, the two are arrayed in exactly the same manner. They're wearing the righteousness of Christ. They're carrying the glory of God. They have the mind of Christ. They're conformed to His image and likeness. And God has in the earth at that time the completed man in the image and likeness of Christ as He intended. That man is present in the earth and that man is present in heaven as well. The two together are the bride of Christ. They now have the authority wherever they are, following the Lamb, they have the authority to declare His counsel and to speak for Him. Following the marriage supper of the Lamb, then He will come out of heaven, leading the armies as we have said before. When He comes, when He comes, leading this army, riding on white horses, clothed in white, when He comes, His announcement from heaven will be by, quote, the shout of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. So there'll be a blast 
It doesn't say who the archangel is. We have seen the archangel Gabriel being the normal messenger, but the picture here is that of a king being announced by a herald. Whoever it is has been prepared for such a time. And the idea is upon the return of the Lord, he will be announced in his coming by that archangel to whom that task has been given. It's one of the reasons why the return of the Lord is said to be a sign in heaven and the word sign or insignia can either be a banner, a banner, uh, uh, like a banner announcement or it can be by great signs of an extraordinary nature and perhaps in this instance it's both. Um, because what precedes the return of the Lord is stars falling from the heavens. There again, the indication here is not necessarily that the planets are beginning to tumble out of the sky, but rather the power structure that oppose God in the form of these ten kings and the systems that supported their their claim to rule, those will begin to tumble together with the actors who made these systems work or who were the administrators of these systems. Similarly, it is said that the moon will not give her light and the sun will be turned to darkness like a sackcloth Uh, put over the head um, in the fashion of mourning. And what all this indicates to me is that the light that used to be with the restrainer has been removed from the world because the restrainer is removed, but that light never departs from the house of God. So simultaneously we have great darkness in the earth and brilliant light. The light will shine out of the house of God that is referred to as Zion, even as that house of God is perfected in its beauty, like a city on a hill. And mankind will be, see, will be shown in the behaviors of the corporate man, the bride of Christ, they will be shown the way things ought to be, some will come to it, most will reject it because they are too bought in into the systems of the world and the harlot church will oppose it and wage war against it. The shout of the archangel is the indication that the time for that which has been nurtured in heaven should now be joined with what has been established on the earth and the two will become the same and they will descend to and remain upon the earth. In that same time, the necessary bodies will be provided 
Keep in mind that the resurrection of the dead is not the resurrection of the, of the spirit, nor is it the resurrection of the soul. Why? Because they never died. The spirit and the soul of the righteous go to God who gave it. The soul of the unrighteous dead go to hell and they will wait there until the second resurrection where they will be resurrected for judgment. But the soul of the righteous dead go to heaven and will come back in union with the spirit man because there will be no separation, they will have been made to be one in heaven. When they come back, they will dwell in a body. That body will be of the same type as what Jesus was given when He was resurrected from the dead. It will have the ability to function in a physical, in some version of a physical world because we know the world will be changed, everything will be made new, it will probably be like it was before, before the garden of, in the Garden of Eden and before the fall of man. It will have the ability to walk through walls and to move around without the need for visible transportation. Such a body is suitable to carry out the rule and the mandate of Christ in the earth. What will happen as the Lord comes back and wages war and puts down all opposition, the following opposition to Him will be destroyed. You mentioned the beast will be destroyed together with its armies when He returns. The false bride, the, the harlot, will have been destroyed before before, because her economic systems would have been weakened and destroyed before and her fall will be great, before the return of the Lord. Part of that destruction will be a war she begins to wage against the saints and the saints are going to be told to come out of her and be separate from her. And then of course, uh, when the Lord returns, the living saints will be transformed, uh, the dead saints will be raised, given new, they'll be raised in new bodies and together both the living and the dead will be caught up to meet the Lord. No longer will anyone be a dead saint because they'll have been resurrected. And together they will be caught up to meet the Lord and come back on the earth. In the same cycle of destruction, not only will the harlot have been previously destroyed and the beast destroyed, the false prophet will be destroyed, the primary actor, the Antichrist, will be destroyed and all of the, what's left of the beast will be overthrown and destroyed. The, the only remaining person, before we go into the millennium, the only remaining person to be dealt with is Satan. He will not be destroyed then, 
because his purposes are not entirely fulfilled. He will be imprisoned. And here is what it says about that. And this is the opening of the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain. Now you read about another angel who was the angel over this abyss, which is the imprisonment, the place of imprisonment for disobedient spirits, in other words demons who used to be angels who were imprisoned there, the ones who were not allowed to be on the earth. Now Satan himself, where would he be? Well, Satan himself was not in that abyss, so when the angel over the abyss, called in Hebrew uh, Abaddon and in Greek Apollyon, that angel opened the bottomless pit and the demonic horde came out of the pit to torment uh, the unregenerate mankind. Now, they emptied out that bottomless pit when the inhabitants were released upon the earth. But now, now, Satan is being imprisoned again in this bottomless pit. Now, the question is, where would Satan be? if he were not in the bottomless pit, and he's not. Well, presently, presently, Satan is in the second of the, two heaven, of the three heavens. According to the Apostle Paul in his writings in Ephesians 6, tells us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the domain of darkness, the domain in which demonic spirits may be kept and are kept, may either be the abyss, the, the second heaven, which is the seat of Satan's rule, or on the earth. The ones who come out of the abyss, will have been chained and kept there. Third, or rather fourth place is demons have been specifically confined to particular key locations in the earth, and such as bound, four great angels bound by the river, the great river Euphrates. They're released on cue when their time has come and their activities have been judged to be what's next. Satan himself has been disarmed by the Lord Jesus Christ, but he still remains, he still remains in the second heavens. Earlier on in the book of Revelation we read where he was cast down, this was chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, he was cast out of his position and seat in the heavens and the warning was, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has gone down to you and he's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. So where is Satan? 
He will be on the earth. He will be on the earth. And the Lord will order his arrest when he comes. The Lord will order his arrest. And this is the reading that speaks of how he's arrested. He's arrested and thrown into the bottomless pit. This, the word in the Greek is abusos, thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. And I saw an angel come down, this is Revelation 20 verse 1 and following. Saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. So Satan will be bound. This is not a new reference to demons being bound. Uh, Peter says they're bound in chains in darkness, in Tartaru. He laid hold of that dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now who exactly is this serpent? We don't have to guess. Here again, this angel laid hold of the dragon. This is why we know that angels will be involved in this final battle. Because an angel lays hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. That's the same exact reference to uh, before in Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, let me quickly go back to it just to show you the reference. Here, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon uh, and his angels fought back, and they, had, they did not prevail, neither was place found for them anymore in heaven. Right? Who, who, who is this dragon? And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and power and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which he accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them and woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has gone down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Right? So who is the devil? That ancient serpent, the devil and Satan. So you look at him again in Revelation 20 uh, at where we were in the first verses of Revelation 20 and he's described in exactly the same language. So an angel lays a hold of, with the, an angel with a key to the bottomless pit, opens it up, binds Satan with a great chain, lays hold of the dragon, verse 2, 
Revelation 20, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him, bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he was loosed for a little season. And then it says, I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Christ and for the worship of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received this mark on their forehead or in their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, one that comes before the thousand years. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So it begins the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Newsflash, heaven is not the final destination, but for a thousand years after that, after Jesus comes out of heaven, all that is in heaven, all that is in heaven, will have migrated to the earth. Jesus, in the company of the saints, will have a marital abode with the bride for the seventh day, for a thousand years, the last of the thousand years. And it will be a time of righteous rule, a time where the kingly character of Christ is the cultural imperative for all, where the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be in evidence amongst the bride who rules as the deputized surrogate of Christ and where generosity in all things of life and health and well-being, governments and relationships of every kind will prevail. That's where we're going. We're not done with the book of Revelation, I will pick back up there because I do want to open up and talk about the millennium and then what happens subsequent to the end of the millennium when Satan is loosed and brought to judgment himself. I'm Sam Solon. We've entered that point in the discussion of the book of Revelation in which the most glorious of our hope for life is to be unveiled. Until, we, until then, until we have more of this discussion, I'm Sam Solon and I'll see you then. Bye now.